Well, thank you, Nick. Good morning, City Light. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but this weekend was the last weekend of the regular season of college football before championship weekend and bowl season begins. Now, for most college football fans, that's an exciting time. I've made it no secret that as an Iowa boy, I cheer for Iowa football. Every week, I cheer for the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones and whoever's playing Nebraska, right? (laughs) That's just how it goes for me. Well, I, I was Uh, Doing a little bit of looking around, I found a map. People have actually made maps that kind of segment the United States by favorite college football team. Have you ever seen these? Well, here's one. I found it. This one's a couple years old. As you're taking a look, believe it or not, this map colors Pottawatomie County, right where we live and work and play. It colored it Husker Red. What is going on? I I just got so sad when I looked at that that I thought, I need to find another map. I need some good news, all right? So I looked for a couple more. Here's another one. This one shows who's got the most burger joints in your area. It looks like Burger King and Culver's are duking it out for your dollars, all right? Uh, Here's one more. This is uh, each state's favorite Halloween candy. Now, I grew up with an identical twin brother. We had to split everything in two so I can get behind Twix. It comes prepackaged, equally divided into two parts. That worked in my house, all right? But I just find it interesting to look at maps like this and see how tastes and trends and preferences change from one location to the next. It's kind of fun. Well, this Christmas, we are looking at the book of Isaiah in the Bible. Isaiah was a prophet that lived in the land of Judah around 700 BC. And in his day, the map wouldn't have been divided up by favorite college football team or Halloween candy or burger joint. No, in Isaiah's day, the map would have been divided up by God's. Each area had their own God. We get a little picture of it from a passage in 2 Kings, which says... Ashtoreth was the abomination of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So in our day, if you see someone wearing a red shirt with a white, and you know they cheer for the Huskers. But if you see someone else wearing a black shirt with a yellow eye, you know they cheer for the Hawkeyes. Well, in the same way, in Isaiah's day, If you were in Sidon, you knew people there worshipped Ashtoreth. Or if you were in Moab, you knew people there worshipped Chemosh. The place you stood determined the God that you worshipped. Now a guy named Naaman shows us just how deep this God-place connection went for the people in those days. See, Naaman, he was a great commander in the army of the land of Syria. But he had a problem. He had a disease. He had leprosy. And the God of Syria could not heal him. Their God, Ramon, just could not make it happen. But Naaman heard that maybe the God of Israel could heal him. Well, long story short, the God of Israel did hear him. And I want you to listen to the words that Naaman prayed, or Naaman said, right after he got healed. Here they are. Naaman said, behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Please let there be given to me two mule loads of earth. 
For from now on, I will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. That all caps Lord is Yahweh, the God of Israel. You see what happened here? Naaman got healed and he had a revelation. He realized that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. In other words, the God of Israel is God over all the earth. This was a context-breaking, mind-blowing revelation. And right after he had it, Naaman went back to his old way of understanding God's. He asked for two mule loads of dirt to take back home with him to Syria. Why make an odd request like that? Well, because for Naaman, the God of Israel's power is connected to Israel's ground. If he wanted Israel's God in Syria, he needed to bring Israel's ground to Syria. Are you getting a feel for the context and the culture that Isaiah was writing to? Throughout the historical books of the Old Testament, we see their map. It shows a whole slew of little regional gods, each having its own place. And the people's duty back then was to worship the God of the ground they stood on. Friends, I think if we're honest, not much has changed from then to now. Today, many people still see the Western world as Christian land, and the Middle East as Muslim land, and India as Hindu land, and the the list goes on and on. Even in our own lives, we have our own little maps, right? I mean, like, Maybe Jesus is God of our lives when we're in church or around the dinner table, But that might change when we're at work or when we're out on the weekends. We play the same sort of game that the people played back in Isaiah's day, don't we? Well, City Light, let me give you some good news this morning. The God of Israel did not then and does not now play that game. He is not bound by lines on a map, nor is he confined to just one pile of dirt. Through Isaiah, God is showing us that he is more than just a section on the map. He made the map. So let's Look at Isaiah's words again, and let me show this to you from God's word. Isaiah, uh, God spoke through Isaiah saying, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So friends, what will happen when God sends his servant He'll bring justice to all the nations. And just to make it plain that he's not talking about only a few of the nations, Isaiah continues in verse 4. He, God's servant, will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice. Where? In the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. From coast to coast, God's servant will establish justice across the whole earth. And friends, God's justice is more than just making sure that the bad guys go to jail. His kingdom is established on goodness and faithfulness and righteousness or rightness. It's the kind of justice that makes you want to be where he is. If we put ourselves in the shoes of the original listeners, the original hearers of this uh, writing from Isaiah, we might ask 
How could one God establish justice like that over the whole earth? How could he reach beyond his bounds like that? Where does a power like that come from? Well, Isaiah explains it. He wrote, thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Friends, God can establish justice across the earth because he created the heavens and the earth. So God is not merely a piece on the map. He made the map. And while he certainly chose Israel as the nation he would use to put his glory on display, he has always intended for their display of his glory to be seen and celebrated by all nations. That's what God is saying in these verses. That's what he's promising to his people. He would send his servant, his Messiah, his Savior with a purpose. This is what God said about his servant. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Friends, God sent his servant to be a light for all nations. Like the dawning of a new day after the dark of night, God's servant would light up the globe so that all people could see his glory and experience his justice. Oh, this is an incredible promise. It means that the God of the Bible is the God of all creation. There is no category in the Bible that for the thought that only the Western world is Christian land. There's just no category to think that the Middle East is Muslim land or India is Hindu land or the East is Buddhist land or France is secular land or anything else like that. There is no category in the Bible that would limit our God to the church building or the dinner table. That's just a flawed way of thinking. It's a wrong outlook on the God that we serve. The Bible says that there is one God over all the earth. He created it. He spread it out. He filled it. He sustains it. And he promised to send a servant who would light up the globe to show all nations that truth. Amen? I want to take a few minutes here. To show you that this heart of God for the nations is not just one little promise tucked away in this chapter of Isaiah. No, this light to the nations promise of God is a theme. It's a thread that spreads throughout the Bible from beginning to end. And so to to open that up, I want to do just some old-fashioned Bible study. In fact, it's a Bible study that my friend Veronica Torgerson put together. Uh, She does missions, refugee outreach, city group leadership, and a whole lot more for the City Light Church plant in North Lincoln. She's done a phenomenal job of studying and outlining God's plan for the nations throughout Scripture. So here's what I want you to do. If you got your Bible with you, open it up to Genesis chapter 12. If you've got an app on your phone in your pocket, pull that up, open it, and go to Genesis 12. We are going to read some Bible verses to see God's heart for the nations. As we read them, uh, I'm going to ask you, watch for the words, so that. 
they're connecting words that I think will help us connect some dots. So here we go. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. This is the passage where God calls Abram, soon to be Abraham, and makes a promise to him. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3 says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So why did God bless Abraham and make his family into a great nation? He did it so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. It's God's heart beating for the nations all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. That's number one. Let's go to number two. Turn to Exodus chapter 9 verse 14. This is when God was sending plagues on Egypt before the Passover and the great exodus of God's people into the promised land. God said to Pharaoh, this is Exodus chapter 9, verse 14. For this time, I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. So why were the plagues sent on Pharaoh and his people? So that they themselves and everyone who heard of God's work among them would know there is no God in all the earth like our God. It was God revealing himself to the nations. It's number two. Number three, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45. This is a well-known story when David the shepherd boy charged Goliath, the mighty giant clad in his armor, armed with a sword and a javelin. David ran at the Goliath and this, at the uh, warrior Goliath, and this is what he shouted. "You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin." But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will give you into my hand so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and so that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. So why was David able to to defeat Goliath with just a sling and a stone? Was it to set an example of how we can defeat the giants in our own lives? No! David was able to defeat Goliath with a sling and a stone so that all the earth would see that the God of Israel has a power to save that's greater than any warrior's sword or spear. It's God's saving power on display to the nations. That's number three. Number four, we got just one more, all right? Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. This is the account of King Solomon's dedication of the temple of God. It's the very first time the temple has been built and God's people were gonna enter in and worship there. King Solomon prayed and asked God to hear the prayers that God's people prayed in the temple And then he continues. This is incredible. Look at what King Solomon prayed. He said, Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a faraway country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm, when he, that foreigner, comes and prays toward this house, 
here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls you, in order that, or so that, all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel. Do you you see what just happened? The king of God's people prayed at the inauguration of God's temple, asking God to hear the prayers of who? The nations. Why? So that all the people of the earth would know and fear God like the people of Israel did. Friends, God's heart beats for the nations. At nearly every major point in the history of God's people, God has the nations in mind. And God's promise here in Isaiah tells us how God would accomplish that plan. He would send his servant who would be a light to the nations. Now somebody's thinking, hey preacher, it's Christmas time and I'm ready for baby Jesus in a manger. I think I know where you're going with this. And if you're thinking that and you're hoping for that, you're right. And that's the same hope that the people had when Isaiah wrote this. They were longing for God's promise to be fulfilled. And this morning, I get to tell you, God has made good on his light to the nation's promise. And he is sticking to his light to the nation's plan. The servant of God that Isaiah promised is Jesus. And Luke chapter 2 tells us the story of his birth. It's the moment the map maker stepped into the map. It's the moment hope for the world took a breath. It's the moment God's promise became a person. And even here, at the climax of God's redemption story, again we see God's heart beat for the nations. Let me show it to you. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. This is about a week after Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to the temple. And when they got there, there was a faithful old man named Simeon waiting for them. See, the Holy Spirit had told Simeon that before he died, he would see the servant that God promised through Isaiah. He would see God's Savior. And so when baby Jesus entered the temple, Simeon saw him and knew. He scooped baby Jesus up into his arms, and this is what he said. Lord, now you are letting your servant, he's talking about himself, depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Right there. A week and a day after Jesus was born, God's spirit confirmed that God's son fulfilled God's promise to his people. Simeon called Jesus a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And here Gentiles is just another word for the nations. Simeon declared that Jesus is the light of the world that Isaiah foretold. And when Simeon saw that light, he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. And so from the very earliest days of Jesus' life, we see that the light of the world was not illuminated in a set of rules, but in a relationship. It didn't shine on a plan for personal growth, but it shined through a person. God's light to the nations is not a what, 
but a who, it's Jesus. Friends, I wonder if you've ever read the Christmas story like my friend Veronica reads the Bible. She read the stories of Abraham, Moses, David, and Solomon and saw the heart of God spread throughout each one. That same heart of God for the nations is laced through Jesus' story too. In a real way, Jesus' birth is the beginning of the greatest mission trip ever taken. Friends, Jesus came to draw the whole world to the one true God. See, like that mission that Jesus was on is still going strong today. I want to show it to you. Jesus said to his followers, you are the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world, said to his followers, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That is the very verse that inspired the name City Light Church. We love that verse because it tells us that when you believe in Jesus, the light of the world, that light shines through you. It means the mission that Jesus was on has become and is our mission. Jesus applied it to us. He told us how it would play out when he said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus' birth was the beginning of a mission trip to reach the nations, and that mission lives on in Jesus' people still today. And so as we close, I just want to give you two practical ways that you can shine the light of Jesus to the nations, to the world this Christmas. Here they are. Number one, first, pray. I know it sounds easy, but, but would you pray for the nations? I'll share with you a prayer request that I got just this last week. We partner with a church called Gospel Community Church in Kigali, Rwanda. Kigali is a city about the size of the Omaha Metro in a country called Rwanda in East Africa. And Gospel Community Church is a church plant that's just a few years old. They're a group of passionate people that love Jesus and want to see their city reached with the good news of the gospel. It sounds a lot like us. And so we love these guys. And I was talking to Pastor Innocent and ask them how we could pray. One of the challenges that they're having is legal registration with the government. See, they can't legally meet together as a church until they're officially registered with the government, and that process has been long and full of challenges. One among them is the pandemic, which has slowed it down considerably, but Recently, there's been progress, and they've gotten some interaction with the government, and so they're praying that now would be the time the government shows them favor and grants them official registration so that they can meet again. Friends, would you pray for Gospel Community Church, that they would have favor in the eyes of the Rwandan government, and they could gather together as a church body. They long for that, and we do too. That's the first prayer request. He gave us another one which is more personal and honestly for me just gets my heart super excited. Pastor Innocent and his wife Marlene are brand new parents. They just welcomed their first son and their first daughter, twin babies, Nate and Elsa, into their family. It's incredible, but I know twins are a lot of work, okay? So Pastor Innocent asked us for prayer and this is what he asked for. 
Uh, would you pray for grace as we learn to sacrifice ourselves more and more for our kids? And that we would remain deeply involved in reaching out to others and serving the saints. What a humble prayer, right? He just asking, oh, would you help us uh, sacrifice ourselves for our kids and keep sacrificing ourselves for the saints of God? Man, we can get on board with a prayer like that, right? So let's pray for Gospel Community Church and Pastor Innocent and his wife Marlene. Oh God, do a wonderful work in Rwanda through that church and their people. Uh, That's one way, the first way to shine the light of Jesus to the nations. Pray for our friends, missionaries, pastors, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are spreading the light in the nations. Number two, uh, the second way to shine the light of Jesus this Christmas is that you yourself would share the good news of Jesus. We are the ends of the earth from where Jesus stood when he made these promises, and so that job is ours. And you might ask, well, how would I do that? Who would I talk to? Where would I start? Well, let me give you a couple uh, questions that might help you find an answer. Who in your life needs to know that there is a God who loves them this Christmas? Who in your life needs to hear that they've been on God's heart since the very beginning of history? We can go all the way back to Genesis and show them that that's true. Who in your life needs to believe that God came to earth when Jesus was born so that every person everywhere could know his love and his grace and his salvation? Who in your life needs hope that in the end people from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue will share heaven together? Who's the Spirit putting on your heart right now? What name? What face? Is it a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor? Man, can I just encourage you today? Strike up a conversation with that person. Maybe start by asking them how they're celebrating Christmas this year. And then you can tell them that you're celebrating that the light of the world has come. Just a great open door to share the gospel good news of Jesus. City Light, this Christmas we have an incredible opportunity to join together with Jesus in the mission of God. It's the same mission that Jesus had when he came to earth on that first Christmas. So let's have the light of Jesus that shines in us shine through us for all nations to see. Amen? Let's do it together. City Light, will you pray with me? Awesome God, I thank you that the story of your word, the heart that you have, has not changed from the beginning of Scripture all the way to now, all the way to the end. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God, I thank you that you are who you are. And I thank you that you've revealed to us that your heart did not just beat for a certain set of people who inherited your grace. Your heart does not just beat for people who can do the right things and achieve their way into your favor, but your heart beats for everyone on the map that you spread out. Your heart beats for all peoples in all nations and you have made a plan so that every one of us can see that truth. The Bible says that it's the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Oh God, would you put that on display for us this Christmas? If there's anybody among us today who just feels like they're living in a world of darkness and they need this light, they need hope that you will make right all the things in this world that have been made wrong. That you will indeed establish the kind of justice that doesn't just mean bad people suffer for what they've done, but instead means you will bring all of your goodness, all of your righteousness, all of your faithfulness, and establish it as the way of life among all your people. God, we need that hope. If there's anyone among us who's longing for that, looking for that, well, today, Jesus, would you show it to them in your light? Now, if you're longing for that, and you say, I want Jesus to shine that light in my heart, on my map, in my world, today, you can do that. Jesus came from heaven to earth to make a way for you to be made right with God. And so this morning, if, if you are hearing from the Spirit, if you're being drawn toward the light, you can just pray, Jesus, would you be the light in my life? Would you shine it deep into the depths of my heart? Would you drive out the darkness inside me? I will follow you. You are the only God in all the earth. If you can make a statement like that, friends, welcome to the kingdom. Tell somebody, reach out to Pastor Nick or Pastor Doug online. Let them know what you just prayed and we would love to celebrate with you. And friends, if you've already seen that light and this Christmas you're celebrating, maybe you're like me and you just love for Christmas to be about your hope and your joy and your peace, that's where I go. Man, today, would you hear the promise of God that Jesus came not just as a light for a few people, but as a light for the nations? Would you let that inspire you this Christmas to shine the light, to share the good news of Jesus? And Jesus, we ask that because of your spirit at work in us, your light would take new ground and counsel bluffs and beyond. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for being at work among us. We pray this all in your name.